I got the opportunity to say something. And it, actually, what's happened is that the pet owners, these the pets, dogs or cats, have become such a member of the family and is such an important thing to to the family structure that people themselves have demanded this care. They have they have made us advance our science. And I said, thank you to you good pet owners. Because to be honest with you, if we didn't have good pet owners asking us to do these things, we would have been doing it just like we did it 30 years ago. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Every now and then it's fun to bring on people I know, and it's going to benefit you because you're going to get to love this guy too. You've heard us talk about Reed Animal Hospital, and they have locations in Saratoga and Campbell for those in the Bay Area. And if you're listing in Nashville or or where we have people, every now and then it surprises me. You'll get a download, you know, in in, in Brazil, you know, or stuff like that. If you come to the Bay Area, check out Dr. Reed. As animal, but I know him as Dave, but I'm going to call you Dr. Dave. Because I think it's it's important for this, and I am, and and I'll I'll be completely honest with you guys. He's our vet. He's our vet, and he's been our vet. He's taken care of our knucklehead Luna for the longest time, and she, wow, she's I'm telling you that dog. But anyway, we are thrilled, and the fact that you agreed to do this with me, and hopefully we'll do this often because I think you could be able to answer oh, questions so and do stuff. So, how are you, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. Um, we're busy as ever, but um, nonetheless, um, it's been a blessed profession, actually. I've enjoyed it. Um, I continue to enjoy it. Um, it's surprising, though, Gary, the number of people that ask me, they say, are you going to retire? And I think to myself, no, I don't think so. You know, I, I love what I do. It, um, it's, uh, it's, it's been an interesting career as well. Well, because you get that, you get that immediate feedback, whether, whether it's, it's helping a dog or animal, a loved one transition, but keeping them healthy. And you get to see that automatic thing, right? And, and, and to know that, you know, I could retire and the world's not going to, you know, not, not many people are going to be changed by it, but you retire and there's a lot of people who just depend on you and have known you forever. And, and, and at this stage of the game, you're so dang good at it, Dave. <laughs> You know, they have the pet owners that I see are not only friends, they're acquaintances, they're, uh, gosh, you know, it's just a spectrum of life, I'll tell you. And um, it's, I, if we started with stories, we'd be here for the next, well, you and I. Hey. Would have to talk forever, I think. Listen, we're, we're going to do this often, so I want to hear your stories. Uh, I want to ask you this. How long did it take to become a vet? How long does it take? Because if you're not in the profession, you have no idea yep. the commitment it takes. It actually takes about eight years, four years of undergrad and then four years in vet school. And, and you have to learn all the animals. You don't just we specialize do. You in do one. You have to learn all the animals. Now, in the last two years of vet school, you can select um, 
you want to be a small animal vet or you want to be a large animal or a mixed animal practitioner. Um, when I started, I actually wanted to be a mixed animal practitioner. I was born and raised on a farm in the Midwest. I castrated more hogs before I ever got to vet school than I ever did afterwards. And certainly during my career, there's no doubt about that. People don't want to think about what goes into castrating hogs because I grew up uh, I grew up in the rural south and, and farms and stuff like that. And if there's one thing I would not want to be, it's a large animal vet because the moment I had to put on one of those full yes. arm gloves. Please. Yeah, and place your arm where you'd never want to talk about on our <laughs> podcast. No, no. Uh, there's no. just, there's nothing I want to feel. I mean, I, I don't care if they're healthy or, God forbid, they're sick. There's nothing I want to feel. The, uh, <laughs> you know, I um, some people even, they'll say, I watched those James Harriet series. Have you ever watched those, Gary? Oh, All Creatures Great and Small or all that? All Creatures Great yeah. and Small. I had the very fortunate uh, luck. I was traveling, which I don't do much of. None of us do really anymore. Um, but I was in the U.K., and I was staying at various bed and breakfasts and um, stopped into one in the north. And the people, they, they adore veterinarians in the UK. It just revered for some reason. And they said, you ought to meet our veterinarian. His name is Alf White. And I said, sure. They said, you'd know him better as James Harriet. I went into town. It's a small town called Thirsk. I went in there, it's kind of a, not the, quite the Harrogate that they talk about, because that's kind of a beautiful little city. This is a little town, industrial town, and he was there. He was at a vaccine clinic. This guy still was working and vaccinating animals. He must have taken 30 minutes out to chat with me, and he was as charming in person as he is on the TV show. And... He was also a pilot during World War II as well. Holy so it was a, it was, he, to my good fortune, he did autograph a couple of books for me, which I subsequently had given away and I don't have any longer. But what a, what a marvelous experience. That uh, quintessential I, veterinarian. And it's such a cool thing that last Christmas, my father in law bought his grandsons the books or the first of the first couple of books. Really? And we keep them here. And when Papa comes out, that's how we, and again, my kids are 11 and 13 now. We don't read them to them at night unless Papa's here. And then <laughs> Papa reads to them from all creatures, great and small at night. That's really cool. You know, and, and very, it is. that's awesome. And I don't, because I, my thing is I've always had animals and I've, uh, I grew up in the rural South back before there was, before there was, Nobody had a fence. Nobody put their dogs away. I've been bitten more times than you even want to think about. <laughs> and the fact that I've been bitten so many times that I still yeah. love dogs, you know, is a testament to how great dogs are, right? And you know, that's the truth. That's the truth. I took a bite the other day from a dog. And honestly, I'm kind of a dog whisperer, too. Yeah. This one, I just must have hit the wrong spot because... A group of my friends, they, they always ask me, have you been bitten lately? And I always tell them no, because I figure out who's going to bite me when I go in. And I can just, you know, 
keep my distance or talk to the owners long enough that they seem to feel the pets seem to feel like you're a friend. You're not, you know, just an intruder that comes in there and jabs a thermometer in the wrong spot and then and then goes on with things. Well, you know, you've been in before yeah. and we talk, you know, it, I create that. Um, oh, gosh, it's um, it's an environment, I think, that that makes it they call it what they call it now is fear free veterinary medicine. Yeah. I went to a course on this once, Gary. Fear free veterinary medicine. Sat through it for about three quarters of the day. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I've been doing this stuff for 40 years and nobody ever really taught the course. It just it, it a lot of it's just common sense and and how to deal with it and how, you know, how to communicate with not only the pets but the owners as well. So you do develop that that sixth sense in my business. People go, have you ever had somebody say something on the air that you were waiting for them to say? And I'm like, you know, after all the years of doing it, I can almost innately feel <laughs> when somebody might be going to go off the rail and I can, <laughs> yeah, I can turn the sound down okay? <laughs> because I just get that feeling. Now, every now yeah. and then, especially when you're talking to singers, every now and then you don't know when somebody's going to go off the rail. But when it comes to callers, I've been able to like, uh, I can feel this. I can feel where this is going. I can see where they're doing. <laughs> and usually they're excited and they're happy. They just want something really cool. And you can just feel, and I would imagine that you would get that same way that you, when you walk into the room, know if this dog or cat, and the cats would scare me more than the dogs would, are skittish. <laughs> We've had this conversation before <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> cats would, cats to be able to, and, and I know there are lots of cat lovers. I, 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 I respect you. I respect yeah. you. I don't get cats. I just <laughs> don't get them. And, 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 and they're so, they're so material. I mean, you know, independent, but also mercurial. Cats that you will love. Any cat owner will say, yeah, he bit me or she scratched me. And I'm like, how long do you have that cat? Oh, eight years. <laughs> And you never hear a dog owner go, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden Luna just turned around and nipped me. No, <laughs> no, that would never happen. Never. <laughs> I, I wanted to take the chance because I talked to some kids and, and you're such a wealth of knowledge. And I want to get back to your stories because I'm going to ask you about this stuff. But I wanted to get a couple of things out because I was telling my friends, I said, I'm going to have Dr. Reed on my podcast. And, and as soon as you tell them that, they ask, can you ask him this? Can you ask him this? <laughs> And I'm like, all right. So I wrote a couple of down and I said, I will, I will reach out and, and see what we have. Uh, somebody asked me, when does lethargy mean something? When, 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 the, when, when the animal's acting a little lazy, not, not just dead, not just, I can't yeah. move, but when they start acting very lethargic, when, when is that a worrisome thing? Most pet owners are so in tune to their pets that they detect these things. Mm -hmm. um, lethargy, it could go 48 hours. It gets to be 72 hours, Gary. There's probably something that, that is significantly happening. Doesn't mean it's terrible. Don't Google it because we start with the worst possible thing and go down. Really in medicine, we start with the simplest things and work to those other things. Direct answer to your question is this goes on 72 hours and it combines with any other symptoms like loss of appetite oh, and obviously vomiting, diarrhea, any of those things. Um, th that's a time to pick up 
and call, explain the situation. One of the things that um, I've done in the last, I'm going to say probably 10 years mm-hmm. is, and you know, because you have it, I give out my cell phone. Now, the caveat there is I tell people I'm not going to be up after 10. If you are looking for me after 10, you're probably not going to get me. Maybe middle of the night if I have to get up, which does happen sometimes. Yes, I'd say, yeah. Text me. And a lot of times I can just triage these things through a text. And then that text then tells the people, my dog has the hiccups. Is he going to be okay? Because we're seeing so many, so many first-time pet owners that they see everything. I can see a new pet owner. I may walk them out to the car. I may They may brought their kids in now. And I look at the people and I say, you know, it looks like to me you've done a really good job of raising your kids. This is not that different. <laughs> Apply those same things. You, you did fine with them. And then they'll look at me and they'll say, well, they can't talk. And I say, they do talk. Sometimes we just don't understand it. But do you remember when your kids were babies? Yeah. And less than a year of age? They didn't talk either. You just instinctively knew. And the good pet owners do. They pay attention and they instinctively know there's something wrong. They're not like my wife who will say, Gary, she'll say, my one English bulldog, she'll say, you know, Rizzo didn't eat his breakfast this morning. And I'll say, well, that's just one morning. And then she'll look at me and she'll say, are you sure? And I'll say, Yes, I sure. you're never a prop in your own home. You're that never a prophet in your own home. <laughs> well, you know, and th- that's that's the thing with me is like I try to because I've had pets my all, my entire life, and my first big most important thing is if they're eating, they're fine. You know that that animals yeah. will stop eating the moment things are are wrong. So if she's laying around the house or being whatever, but if she's eating. I'll wait, and I'll wait those 72 hours. And by the way, Dr. Dave's not lying. He gives you his cell phone and says, here's the deal. Something's going on. If you have a question, and usually that's all we really need is somebody to go, hey, oh. and, and then somebody who knows better can go, yeah, let me just give you something based on my experience. Because we are, and they become, and you and I've had this conversation. They yeah. truly do become this member of your family. And you, you see, they're not, they're not our children, but they are a significant member of the family. And this has changed. So Gary, in the 40 plus years that I've been doing this, the, the intimacy, the, um, the caring that, that the pets get. And I was talking to somebody the other day and what well, was at a, um, a dog training class. And the people were talking about the advancements in veterinary medicine and this and that and the other. And after I listened to one of the the people talking about it, I got the opportunity to say something. And and actually, what's happened is that the pet owners, the pets, dogs or cats, have become such a member of the family and is such an important thing to, to the family structure that people themselves have demanded this care. They have, they have made us advance our science. And I said, thank you to you good pet owners, because to be honest with you, if we didn't have good pet owners asking us to do these things, we would have been doing it just like we did it 30 years ago. And I think that 
truly the good pet owners, the ones that are there in the dog training class and they're, you know, making it so their their kids, as they went to preschool, the dogs go to their training classes and they become a more functional member of the family at that point. We're going to come back right after this. I am so excited to be working with the Nugent Family Counseling Center founded by Dr. Jeff Nugent. They have three office locations in San Jose, Santa Clara, and Reno, Nevada. What they do is support a diverse community of children, adolescents, adults, and families who are affected by conditions such as addiction, depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, and grief. They strive to provide clients with the tools needed to understand and acknowledge the effects that their emotions and behaviors have on themselves and their personal relationships. As Dr. Nugent told me, We try to help our clients fix what's wrong. They don't want you coming forever. They want to help you get past this problem. And they also remind families what they love about each other and utilize a combination of individual, family, and couples therapy. They can help you no matter what you're facing. You do not have to go through this alone. Check out NugentTherapy.com. NugentTherapy.com. You can do this and they can help. If you're looking for Western wear, you need to find Winchester Western wear at 1185 South Bascom Avenue in San Jose. You're not going to find the perfect outfit at the mall to the outlets. Come to the place with over 40 years of experience and all the top name brands like Ariat, Justin, Stetson, Tony Lama, and more. When you go to the great country shows at Shoreline, SAP, Club Rodeo, or Clola Shans, you'll be looking your best. From boots to hats to everything in between with a knowledgeable staff that'll make the entire experience a fun one. Find them online at winchesterww.com. That's winchesterww.com. Or put this in your maps, 1185 South Bascom Avenue in San Jose. Winchester Western Wear. They'll help you find a look you love. I love how society has changed that when I was growing up, especially in the Deep South, animals lived outside. Dogs lived outside when it was raining and cold and snowing, and you don't see that anymore. My my friends, especially in the Bay Area, all of us, you you get worried if your dog's outside for 20 minutes, much less, uh, you know, and I'm so glad to see that, that animals are, they're an in-home proposition. Exactly. Well, where I grew up in the Midwest on the farm, the dog Skip, our pet of 16 years, was not allowed in the house. Now, he did stay on the the porch that was glassed in and was heated and everything. But interestingly enough, Gary, when the farm got sold and my folks moved into town, which was a town of 1,200 people, and there was still a cornfield in the backyard, suddenly their dog at the time was allowed to come into the house. And the reason was it's because he was a town dog now. Go figure. <laughs> I always worry because I remember I'd go to a friend's house and their dogs lived under the porch. <laughs> right. And just break your heart when you think about it now. Yeah. You know, but yeah, our dog, because we have a husky and she is nothing but a hair creating machine. I have <laughs> yeah. to sweep twice a day. Yeah. Right. But, but that's just part, parcel of what we do. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is. We, we, I we up, bring her in. I clean and, up and the messes too. And I <laughs> clean up the food that they leave on the floor. And oh, yeah. Gosh. It's, it's fun. And, and I just, I, I, I love how people love. And, and have you ever noticed this? 
big dog owners tend to stay big dog owners and small dog owners tend to stay small dog owners. I'd say that's you, true. You never see somebody who has a chihuahua go get a great name. It's pretty unlikely. You yeah. know, and it's, it's everybody kind of stays in their lane. They figure out their breeds. Now, I have always said, I have a Husky because she found us. She was a stray. She found us. Yeah. And that was the good Lord saying, Hey, you need a dog. Here she <laughs> is. Uh, but, but I, I would, I never even considered a Husky. And, and to be honest, as I've told my wife and my kids, I'm like, she may be her only Husky. She's kind of an unusual. She's, she's low energy. She's kind of hangs out, but she still has that nervous thing where she's got to be with the pack and she can't be without you. That's the first thing we do. You're talking about, you're talking about families and how every time we leave or we go on a trip, even if it's just a weekend or an overnight stay, the first thing we do is we got to take care of Luna. Once we have Luna taken care of, now we can plan what we're going to do. Yeah. The, uh, I think I told you last summer that, that um, my family decided to go back east and visit my mother-in-law and my two kids, and they both have two dogs. We have two dogs, and I couldn't get away, but I turned into the babysitter for six dogs and the first two days were utter chaos after about 48 hours we had a we had a rhythm down to it and we had a a way of doing it and then we were okay after that but six is a lot to take care of i'll tell you I could not have multiple animals. We're toying with the idea of getting another dog just to have somebody to keep her company but she's such a she doesn't do well around other dogs. Uh-huh. And and she's just, that's just not who she is. She doesn't, you know, if they're small, she gets aggressive. And if they're big, she gets very scared. And so we've just kind of learned if I'm yeah. out on walks, people go, oh, can I? And I'm like, you know, she's not good with other dogs. I'm not yeah. being rude. I'm trying to save your dog. <laughs> you know? Have you seen the, um, the Amazon commercial where the dog tears up the house and then he sees the crate? And then you can just see his face just kind of, oh, no, they're going to put me in a crate. And then out pops the little, I swear to God, I, I watch that commercial completely every time. And I must say, it's actually kind of endeared me to Amazon, which I never thought would happen because of my wife's notorious Amazon deliveries of everything under the earth, I swear. Hey, listen, if they, they'll stop by to make sure we're okay if they haven't delivered in two days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They'll not be like, guys, God. we haven't seen you. Where Are you okay? This may be the best part our- of our podcast, knowing somebody else does that too. <laughs> oh, we are big, big people on the delivery service. No, but yeah, I, so yeah, we're toying with that. Is that a, is that a good idea, especially for a nervous dog? Since I've got you, I'll ask you that straight up. Do you, do you think it, or would it be too much stress for her? What, another dog? Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a period, but once they adapt to one another, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always had two dogs or two cats. Right. My my wife listens to my podcast religiously, and she's going to take that as the okay. Dr. Dave <laughs> okay. gave me his okay. I probably put the curse on you here. <laughs> All right. I got to get back to my questions. My friends asked me that I, I promised I would ask. Okay. I would ask you. All right. Should I bathe my cat? Bathing a cat is a very difficult thing. 
brushing a cat is very, very important. I would say the cats are very clean animals too. They lick, they lick themselves and they have this abrasive tongue that really keeps them very clean. No. 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 So don't brushing, bathe your cat. Brushing, I think, is the thing to do. Yeah, I I fear that if I don't lead a good life and I wake up in hell, I, I'll spend eternity bathing a cat. <laughs> I think that might be very apt. <laughs> so, be like, you better uh, live. You better live the good life. That's what I got to say. <laughs> is it is it okay for dogs to eat vegetables? Yes. So they can't. They don't want to usually, but they no, can. But some of them do. And you know, you want to stay away from the onions, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but carrots are fine. Um, yeah. Don't find me to eat lettuce or something like that. Although my tortoise eats romaine lettuce. You didn't know I yeah, had a tortoise. tortoise walking around the house. How old is the tortoise? It's about eight or nine years old, and it will live to be about 75. So that's a generational pet, like a parrot. Yeah, yeah. I it was I a, it was a rescue, Gary. I didn't go out and right. purchase it. It was a rescue, and it wasn't fed properly in the first year. So it's shell, and it'll never be. It's a sulcata, and it'll never get really big. But I swear to God, it's a happy pet around the house. The only downside to this one was when we first got it. He was in the wintertime, we'd let him come in the house, bring him in the house. And in the middle of the night, you would hear this clump, clump. And at first I thought, oh, my God, somebody broke into the house. No, it was just the tortoise walking around. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I was, you know, because I, I grew up again in the rural south and turtles were things you just didn't mess with. They yeah. bite you, yes. and especially the snapping turtles, which yeah. were found in swamps, and you shouldn't be around. If you're if you find yourself in a swamp and that's in a in a snapping turtles environment, you have entered the wrong place. <laughs> you, you you have to go out of your way to get to their environment. Yes, right. But it's horrifying if you Google snapping turtles and see what you find. I, I'm not going to because I'm not getting another one. <laughs> the sulcata, it. it Actually has a personality too, because it can talk to it, and it re, you know respond, kind of wave its head up and down, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, they're just, just gentle, a, it, mild. He was a rescue. I wouldn't go out and purchase one, but uh, he was a rescue. Did you? How did you feel about snakes before you got into the veterinarian business, Gary? I feel the same now as I did then. <laughs> I, I know there are people that love snakes, and I I, I respect that. But no, no. <laughs> I I I had nope. always sit back and I, and I have friends of mine who had snakes, and I'm like, most snakes leave their nest after they lay the eggs because otherwise they will eat the young. If they would eat their own young, how much loyalty do you think they have to you? Well, I don't think there's a lot of personality there, but no. <laughs> yeah, snakes tend to think either either I can eat it or it can eat me. I think that's the demarcation line, right? right? I mean, or I can wrap that's what a snake thinks. Self around it and choke it. So. <laughs> oh, and, and the people who own the venomous snakes, that's the stuff I get. I get just like, 
are you crazy? I mean, other than just having this animal in a, in, in a box that you can look at. And oh, by the way, if the box breaks, good luck. <laughs> you know, um, that brings up an interesting point, too. Um, zoos. Yeah. And I know it's a learning experience for people, but when I go to a zoo, I'm going to be really honest. It bothers me to see those animals in those cages and that sort of thing. I had a, a did a veterinary trip to Africa one time, the Maasai Mara, and it was delightful. It was a photographic one. It was delightful to see them in their own environment. And I just, I look at them there, and I know they're well-kept, I know they're well-fed, all the above, but it's such an unnatural environment for them that, it, and to, to compare that to what we saw in Kenya, it was just um, unbelievable. I, 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 I have the same feelings that you do on zoos. I, when I worked in Pueblo, Colorado, they had a little zoo there, and in the middle of the zoo, they had this small bear in a round circular containment that was no long, no bigger than where I'm sitting. I mean, and as I had my arm stretched out, it was that big and it was round yeah. circular thing. And I was just like, and this was, this was a long time ago. This was back in the eighties. And I was like, how do, how does anybody think this is okay? How does anybody think that this animal is doing well? I mean, if you put, if you put a lizard in this place, maybe I could see, but even then the lizard would be like, uh, but to have a, a mammal, a big mammal in this. Uh, yeah. I've always, I, I understand when zoos, when they rescue animals that would die out in, out in the wild. Okay. I'll give you that. But man, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. When you see a big cat in a zoo, treat them in the wild. That's what I would think would be appropriate. And they're, you know, there are veterinarians that in Africa that are very humane and treat these pets and that sort of thing. Not pets, um, because they're well, they're wild well, animals. Yeah, I I cannot think of anything scarier than seeing a big cat in the wild with you and no barriers. You know, I mean, can you imagine what it's like to see a, a tiger or a lion thirty feet from you? Also think about a rhinoceros coming at you too. Yeah, but you know, a rhinoceros, a rhinoceros isn't going to look at you as a food source. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're 30 feet away from a big cat, you yeah. are now prey. You know, yeah, uh, a rhinoceros and, a, and a, a rhinoceros and a hippopotamus, you are an annoyance. <laughs> but they have no interest in eating you. You know, <laughs> a tiger is looking at you going, that's yeah, I could yeah. feed the cubs off that. Yeah. You know. And it's like, oh, that would that would so freak me out and beyond their, their vertical leap is unimaginable. It's just it's amazing. And just how strong they are. The animals in nature, and especially wild animals, I mean, we you hear these horrific stories of when chimpanzees get loose, and you have no idea how strong a chimpanzee is. I mean, the, 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 the strength equivalency doesn't exist in man. That's for absolute sure. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't do it. Well, I, I will say it's the same thing. Somebody asked me, uh, getting back to snakes is the main thing with the snake is when it stopped eating. Is that when things go wrong with snakes? 
Because I don't know how else you'd tell when you're sick. I don't have a clue, Gary. Wow. I, I would think Gary, snakes are there. I didn't go to snake class. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about this? You know what terrifies me? Parrots. Parrots? Parrots. Really? Big birds, because I had friends of mine, and they're same thing. They live 75, 80, 85 years, yes, right? Yes. And 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 I, I remember going into my friend's house, and she's like, don't stand too close to the cage. He will bite you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, well, who can get near it? She goes, I can sometimes. <laughs> And I'm like, there is no way that creature would be in my house. You know, yeah. I, and, and I can't say I wouldn't adopt a, a parrot. I, I might do that. Um, no. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't either, but it's like, but and the people who love birds, I've got a, a buddy of mine who, uh, who used to work here, uh, I, I want to say 30 years ago, and he lives in Colorado and he reached out and we got caught back in, in contact with each other. And I, and he had a parrot. And I remember, I'm like, do you still have the bird? And he goes, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That bird will probably outlive me. And I'm like, oh, amazing. I, I just don't think I, I don't think I could buy a generational pet. But kudos to you guys who can. Kudos as well. <laughs> oh, well, Dr. Reed, I've, I've just been so excited. I can't wait to hear more stories because we're going to do this regularly. Sounds but good. I wanted to just get back with you and, and I'm going to invite you. Hey, if you have a question, if you have something that you'd like to get some advice on, then go to the liner notes, send me a note on Instagram, send me a note on Facebook, or you can, you can reply on the show notes here and say, Hey, can, can I get this question? And on our next show, the next episode we do, I'll bring Dr. Reed in and ask, What's going on? And we're going to do some stuff where I'm going to go hang out with Dr. Reed and, and show you how this stuff gets done and show you just some of the ins and outs of, and, and why have things happen. You know, when, when they take your animal from the examine room to the back, what's going on? Yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think Those that would be would some real positive things, so Gary. Those would be things I'd love to talk about. And, and I would, I would love to get into that. And I just has, and let me ask you this before, before I let you go. Okay. Is, has has the revolution in the, the revolution in needles has to be transforming for you guys. Like I, I tell my sons now, you know, I said when you guys get shots, by the time you feel it, it's over, right? Where when you and I were growing up, remember what shots were like? I mean, they were using garden hose, you know, to give us shots. And 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 now I would think because I I've been there when I've been there when you've had to give Luna a, a, yeah. a shot or you know. And they don't even react. They, they literally don't react. It's like, I don't know what just happened. I mean, that had to be a big boom to, to the veterinarian industry. Huge, huge. You know, the, the types of syringes, the needles, where we place the shots. Um, and also, our, our technicians or nurses, too, who a lot of times do the restraint and do the distraction. I think we've done a really good job of making it, it's not pain-free, Gary, but I think that it's it's very tolerable. And I think that, um, you know, that comes through the, just the caring that, um, and I'm going to give a lot of the credit to our staff because they do a lot of that. And they, they run interference for us with it. And it's a, um, it's made 
the pets visit much better. We get pets that come in that literally want to run in that front door. I'm serious. You've seen my dog. You've seen my dog. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You notice I never have to worry about her getting skittish because she's like, hey, I'm going in. There's treats. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to leave you with one final real quick story. Is that okay? All right. Yes, please do. Oliver was a bulldog that would come in to see us. Um, His owner had to leave him with us for like 30 days. He got very familiar with us, boarded with us. We didn't even, Gary, we didn't even put this dog in a cage or a run because we could just put him in the lounge and he'd sit on the chair the rest of the day. When the owner would bring him, he came from San Francisco down to Saratoga. Oliver jumped out of the car. He shouldn't have done that. The door opened and he should have put the leash on him, but he didn't get it on him quick enough. He ran to the front door. I didn't get to the front door in time, Gary, so he went to the side door. I didn't make it there quick enough, so what did he do? He went down to May's bagel shop, walked in the front door there, and sat down in there. That was Oliver. (laughs) That's the other thing I love about dogs. My goodness, I love how they love food. I love how dogs love food. Yep. It's the, it's the biggest, happiest thing. I don't know. I don't know. I think we should all be as happy as dogs are at dinner time. Yes. And tonight when I get home, Rizzo will meet me at the front door. He will wag what tail he has because he's an English bulldog. He doesn't have much of a tail. He will run to the back door where he will run to the cabana out the back door sit there in front of the refrigerator because he knows he gets a slice of American cheese and he's a happy boy. Every night, Gary, same thing. Same thing. As, as, I, as I record this, I have, I have a thing that I do because otherwise when I'm just sitting here in my office working, my dog is right at my feet. But when I record, she gets restless. So I make her go outside, outside of my door, that I have a door right there. I guarantee you, because I can hear her breathing, she's right there at that door uh-huh. and she will wait until I'm done. And as soon as I'm done, she stands up. When I open that door, she's always waiting. Like, hey, where'd you go? Where you been? <laughs> Where you been, Gary? <laughs> Dr. Reed, thank you You're so much, welcome, Dave. Gary. I so appreciate that. And we will do this again. We're going to okay. do this regularly because there's so many questions. And as you said, people love their pets more than ever. And I think that's just so cool. It's very cool. All right, Gary, you have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.